Here's why friends don't let friends vaccinate. Fear does not stop death. It stops life. And worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles. It takes away today's peace. The COVID quote unquote vaccine is not a vaccine. They've said it will take multiple doses and even then require continuous reinjection. That's a drug, not a vaccine. Add to that that this is the first ever mRNA vaccine, which contrary to the propaganda websites and news outlets out there debunking the real risks, has the potential to change our genetic makeup, perhaps even making a legal case that humans who have received the vaccine have now been genetically modified, almost like a GMO. Let that sink in for a moment. And then you take into that, into consideration the fact that multiple countries are showing dozens of adverse effects. Hank Aaron, the Major League Baseball star, died just within a, a week of getting the COVID vaccine. And there are many more cases, far too many to even name here. This is part of the reason that many of us have decided to be the change that we want to see in the world. And we are forming a regenerative, community-sufficient tribe living in harmony with nature in Western North Carolina. Here's a little bit of the community guidelines and manifesto for those of you guys that may be interested. It's going to be off-grid power. So each home is going to have their own power, either through propane, solar, hydroelectric, wood stoves, or some combination thereof. Uh, there's going to be no Wi-Fi or wireless electricity, but we will have wired internet connections that are faster and healthier. Uh, each parcel of land on the property, each home site is going to have uh, spring water for drinking, bathing, and gardening. We have a regenerative philosophy that we're bringing. So if, for example, we need to cut down five trees to put in a road, we're going to plant 10. Um, we believe that we are divine creators in the image of God and that the laws of God uh, belong above the laws of man. Um, we're going to encourage gardening, growing some or all of your own food. Many people don't realize this, but a family of four can be fed on just a quarter acre. Um, we're going to be connected to our local law enforcement, particularly the local sheriff. We're going to be attending um, meetings and lobbying for laws that uphold the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, our freedom, and the health and sustainability, I know that's a buzzword, uh, of, of Mother Nature. We're going to focus on the good, the true, and the beautiful. Um, our currency is going to be trading of goods and services, um, possibly silver, possibly gold, but not relying on, uh, you know, paper money that's not backed by anything and certainly headed for a crash. Or... Uh, the cryptocurrency, which is um, part of, you know, this sort of slavery system that they're kind of trying to usher the unsuspecting into. Uh, we believe our greatest assets are our community, our character, and our health. Family is wealth. Uh, no mask, no vax. There's going to be community homeschooling. Uh, it's critical that we teach our children as they are our future. 
So we're going to be big on practicing critical thinking, challenging convention, seeking wisdom, not information. There's going to be no usury, so no charging interest on any loaned money. And all of us are going to be looking to add value, leaving everyone in our community better than we found them. Um, if you're interested in learning more about how you could possibly be a part of this community, uh, you can go to biohackercoaching.com. I want to be forthright and respect your time. The minimum investment is a 25K donation that guarantees uh, a quarter acre plot of land. Uh, 75K guarantees uh, a full acre of land and 195K guarantees three acres of land. And our community is a beautiful mix of entrepreneurs, healers, yogis, health professionals, families, and individuals who value freedom, connection, and living in harmony with Mother Earth. Uh, this sounds funny, but after 2020, you got to say it. All religions except for Satanism and Luciferianism are valued and welcome. So it doesn't matter if you're Muslim, Christian, Jewish, as long as God's at the top, um, that's all that matters. So yeah. You can learn more about that and grab a time for us to talk at biohackercoaching.com. Just please make sure that, you know, the you're financially qualified. And if you would like to request, after you filled out your application, if you'd like to request that it is moved to the front of the line, you can text community VIP to 847-989-3743. If you had one shot, everything I'd ever read, heard, seen was now organized and available. Now you fucking khakis. Life moves pretty fast. The Biohacking Secret Show. Lainey Liberty, welcome to the Biohacking Secret Show. Thank you. So thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. I'm very excited too. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with your work, maybe you could share with us a little bit of your origin story. And uh, if, you know, if you're at a cocktail party and someone asks you what you do for a living, what do you say? Oh boy. Um, well, I'll share a little bit of the origin story, but what I do for a living actually is split into several areas, but they all come from that place, which is the origin story. And I'm going to try and tell you the story as rapidly as possible so we can get to the real meat of, it, of everything. So I guess we should go back to about 2008. Um, I'm originally from California and I'm a single parent. And for the 20 years or 18 years prior to 2008, I worked in marketing and advertising and branding. And for those of your listeners that are aware of why 2008 is significant, well, the economy crashed in California. Mm -hmm. And owning a business um, and primarily working with nonprofits and green eco companies um, I started to see my clients go away and in the landscape of, of everything changed. What I have to mention is in addition to being a business owner, I was also a single parent. And at the time I had a nine-year-old son whom everything that I did in life was for him, which meant I was, a, you know, I was a workaholic. Um, I overworked and I, you know, dedicated my time to building a future for him, everything that a parent should do. 
but the lack of balance or the lack of actually having time to spend with my child while I was busy creating a future for him, I was missing out on the present. So that was the catalyst. Um, When I was faced with the decision at the end of 2008 as to what was I going to do, I no longer could keep my business open. Um, One night I turned to my son and I said, his name is Miro. I said, Miro, why don't we just get rid of all this stuff and go have an adventure? And because he had said to me constantly for the past, you know, since he could speak, mom, you're always working. You're never spending any time with me. That was the logical conclusion. It was a logical, you know, way of looking at all the challenges that we were faced with. And suddenly I was able to prioritize the thing that meant the most to me, which was my child. So he looked at me and said, are you serious? (laughs) And of course I said, yeah, let's go do it. So we waited till after the holidays and we spent six months getting rid of everything we owned. And we set out from California with very heavy backpacks, which we later learned how to repack. And we set off on an adventure, just the two of us. So um, I do have to say that was 2008. Um, It was supposed to be a one-year trip. Well, we haven't gone home yet, so it's still in progress. My son is now 21, and I raised him traveling on the road. And all of the work that I do now, which is work around alternative education, work around partnership parenting, work around mental health in teens, and work around in um, facilitating community in people that are alternatively seeking different ways of living and creating a community for them to come together and um, really connect. So yeah, lots of different paths led from that one point of origin. It's fascinating, especially at this time with so many people pulling their children out of traditional schools and looking into homeschooling or community homeschooling and and some different options. Um, what can you tell us a little bit about the world schooling and the and the world schooling movement and what that entails? Sure. So we come at education from the perspective of self-directed learning combined with experiential learning. And living the life that we did, we realized that the world around us really provided this incredible opportunity to learn. So, of course, before 2020, people were roaming around freely and had the ability to actually integrate different world cultures and uh, cultural origin stories, um, mythology, and also current history, politics, 
into the way that people learned. And all that stuff is really important because it does give you a wider worldview. And it teaches you to be able to see the world through a lens that allows different perspectives to live side by side. For example, um, coming from the United States and learning about uh, the Sandinistas and, uh, you know, the politics in Nicaragua during the 80s, being in Nicaragua and speaking to people that lived through that really switched how we saw things because suddenly we're talking about people. We're talking about people that we're actually connecting with and they no longer you know, became, they, they no longer in our perception were just a story. And what we learned from having conversations and comparing the news and information that we had from our perspective, we realized that our education was not complete. It was not the full story. We also learned that there are many, many ways to see a singular topic. And that's really powerful. So learning in context and then coming to a place where you're learning about a particular culture from the perspective of a culture and integrating their worldviews allows you to really learn more about yourself. So that's the foundation of world schooling. It's experiential learning. It's cultural learning. It's in better times, learning in context, but taking all of those particular ideas and integrating them into your family structure is something you can do even when you're not traveling. And what what were some of the shifts that you observed in your son from 2008 as you guys went on these adventures and kind of changed the, the way that um, <clears throat> he interfaced with the world? How much time do you have? <laughs> I mean, this, look, I've raised him on the road. And so I don't have a lot to compare to other than the first 10 years. But what we did learn was that um, our greatest gift on the planet was to collect experiences and not things. And that, you know, that was a cascading kind of um, effect. We became less entangled in our consumerism. And that's interesting coming from somebody who worked in advertising. Like I was building campaigns to create a greater consumerist mm -hmm. um, community, right? Or, or How do culture. we get them to buy more and to buy more often? Right. And that all shifted. And we were able to really go inward as a result of going outward. So what we learned personally from a personal perspective was that the perception of the outer worlds were really a reflection of what was going on in terms of our inner world 
um, perceptions. And that was powerful. And the more that we developed and created dialogue to understand what was coming up for us, not only the programming that we were exposed to, me a lot more than my son, because let's face it, you know, he had 10 years of programming where at the time I had over 40 years of programming. There was a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. So we call that de-schooling. And part of the process of what we've been doing over the last, you know, 12, 12 and a half years that we've been at this lifestyle has been the process of building or breaking down all of the programming that we have integrated and questioning it like that has got to be the foundation for everything that we do question everything I cannot um, express a more important concept to integrate into your lives and into your families I, I totally agree and you know I was I was a pretty good student growing up and um, you know for a long time especially in health I was like I don't understand how there could be so many things that are so bad for us in our food and our water in the air, you know, and then 2020, like the year of 2020 vision, a lot of it kind of clicked. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what else do I need to go back and reevaluate? What are the things that I memorized and just assumed to be true? And like it, it, it runs so deep and it's, it's easy to be when you, when you put your critical thinking hat on, and you start looking at the world, it's it, it's easy to be like, oh my gosh, am I becoming a conspiracy theorist? No, you're becoming a critical thinker. And with that comes a willingness to evaluate different perspectives and different possibilities, and then, you know, sort out what what is is true or, you know, what you believe to be true based on the information that's available to you. And um, along this journey, you know, 2020 was the hardest year of my life, hands down, you know, but also the most growth. And, you know, on the other side of those birthing pains was a beautiful life that I needed to get back to uh, uh, prioritizing a deeper connection with mother nature, with God, with myself to, you know, I was in this pattern of just not, I'm, I don't want to make it about me. I'm just using this as an example. Like I was in this pattern of just waking up and working all day. And then I'd get a workout in cause I had to stay in shape and I'd eat some food cause I had to. And then I'd go back to work and I'd go to sleep. And I remember like lying in bed with my puppy and being like, if, if, if you had an option, I don't know if you, you probably would have left me. Like if you were a woman the way, <laughs> with this, with this life, you know what I mean? And, um, I kind of had to, to stop and be forced to ask myself, gosh, what do I want to do with my time here? What are some of the things, experiences that I want to have? How do I want to contribute? Not by like just writing a check. You know what I mean? Like how, yeah. how do I want to use my hands and my heart and my soul to make an impact and to see how that impact uh, positively influences the lives of other people, you know? And, and I think sometimes there, there may be people listening that have gotten so used to just memorizing what they're told, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Getting, getting the mark, becoming a good little cog in the machine. And um, there's not a lot of time if you're working 80 hours a week to feed your soul. You know, so I really appreciate what you're doing and, and encouraging people to 
step away from that rampant consumerism that all of us have uh, fallen victim to from time to time. At least, at least I had. I, if you looked at my expenses last year, they were absurd. And and you know, I'm. I, I think debt equals slavery and the, the things that we own end up owning us. And I was like, I had to, I didn't know what was going to happen when all this stuff started in, in March of 2020. And I'm like, okay, clearly it's not predictable because a lot of it is not based on logic or fact. So I'm going to make myself a little bit more resilient, a little bit more flexible. And I'm going to do that by cutting my expenses way down. And I, I found that most of the things that I had previously considered to be essential were not even close, you know, and, and just a little bit of discipline and uh, frugalness has freed up so much time and energy to do things and experiences that that are, are filling me up again, you know, mm-hmm. so um, for someone listening who may realize like that they've just been working too darn much and, you know, kind of doing the, 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 the checking the boxes that we're told to check. Um, where do they even start? You know, what's, do you have a process for this, for kind of like reconnecting with your soul and, 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 and giving yourself a real education and putting your critical thinking hat on and, you know, do you make a bucket list? What, what do you recommend people do that like that want more, more of of these things in their life? Well, some people make bucket lists. It's not my thing. Um, I would say, first of all, you know, going back to that thing that I said, question everything that actually is at the foundation of making changes and having the um, confidence to be able to ask, why is this so? Is this true? Um, For us, the journey, look, I would, you know, I'm a parent, the journey, I was taking this journey with a young child and, and we were backpacking through Latin America and we had to create some structure as to how this would unfold. And so for us, what worked, it was the commitment to being in partnership. And most parents don't approach uh, parenting through partnership, but that seemed to me to be the most logical. And so I was already questioning what the conventional parenting structure should look like. And for me, from an intuitive perspective and understanding what we were about ready to step into, partnership seemed to me to be the best choice. And by living in partnership with those around you, that helps you identify what your sovereignty is and what the sovereignty of those around you look like. So from a parenting perspective, um, that was the first thing. Um, The second thing that we decided to do was to say yes. And if we said yes to all the opportunities that were around us, um, it gave us a greater freedom to let go of, again, the expectations and judgment. There's uh, one of the most rewarding things I've done in my life. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I just realized I didn't shut WhatsApp. That's what was making noises. Oh, no problem. No problem. We'll just sorry, clip, clip sorry. this part out. No, it's all good. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. 
So one of the most rewarding things that I, I've done in my life was uh, there's an improv school here called Second City. And it's oh, where like them. Chris Farley and Tina Fey and yeah. a, a bunch of the Saturday Night Live people came from. And in 2012, my friend and I signed up for their level A improv course. And I ended up doing it all the way through through level E. And one of the first things they teach you in improvisational comedy is, is yes and. I know. Because I know. It's, it's, I'm, you, I'm a fan. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it's, you, you realize it's a completely different energy when you're saying yes. yes. And rather than no, you know, if someone says, if, if you're like, if you're doing improv and you, you say something and your partner goes, no, the scene ends, you know it's what I mean? Over. Yeah, yes, I know. <laughs> exactly. And so you're kind of talking about bringing that energy and that mentality to life and, and not in a way where you're like, you're saying yes to every email that's in your inbox and every project and partnership that people reach out to you. You're talking about like with experiences and things that seem like, uh, you know, how, how do you sort of, um, what, what filter or lens, uh, or, or, or criteria do you apply so that, cause there's only 24 hours in a day, right. Yeah. And, and we can't say yes to everything or we don't sleep or we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll be running ourselves ragged. So what's your process look like? How do you, so I have got the perfect answer to that. Um, my son and I, in order to say yes, we decided to get rid of all rules. So how do you live without rules and still say yes and maintain, um, you know, a sense of, of, well, sanity, shall we say? We did that by defining, and you could do this individually, but we did this as, as a family. Uh, we defined what our core values were. And by really looking at what our individual core values were and then what the family culture of core values became, we agreed upon that. We jointly decided on that. We had a filter to decide whether or not this opportunity was in alignment with our core values. And that gave us the internal compass to be able to know when to say yes and when no was appropriate. We said yes to things that were in alignment to the things that were important to us. And that leads me to a question that my son asked me, oh, about eight months into our journey. He asked me, mom, you know, we were going to do this for a year and we've got four months left. Can we just keep doing this forever? And of course, the only answer in alignment with the values that we created was yes. And so that unraveled a lot of different options for us. Not only did I have to, at that time, look at how we can become sustainable and um, maintain this as a lifestyle, I had to look at education. So going back to the very first thing that I was talking about, which was, um, well, 
you know, what is world schooling? How did we come to that? Well, we didn't come to that just because we thought it was a grand idea. We came to it because when we set out on our journey, we decided that for one year, we were not going to go to school. And my son, um, you know, I pulled him out of public school. And that was the one thing that I never questioned. I always believed and was indoctrinated. You know, I'm holding up air quotes for Mm -hmm. your listeners to understand. I was indoctrinated through my public education to believe Mm -hmm. that education and the purpose of education was to get educated. And it became a product that I agreed that I needed in order to be successful in life. And I never once questioned what that was. And eight months into our journey, when my son asked me this question, I had to look back and realize that well, wait a minute, we're learning. We're learning together. We're learning freely. And we're learning through travel and through immersion. And we're learning because we want to be engaged in our own lives. How do I take this and now intentionally express that as our plan moving forward? And that's when we discovered that there was a thing called unschooling. A lot of people were already doing it and I had never heard of it. So I took and adapted some of the qualities of unschooling. Today it's called uh, self-directed learning. More people are identifying with the term autodidactic or self-directed learners. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, it's what most of our listeners are, whether they know it or not. Exactly. And we all are. We are all self-directed learners. And the fact that the product of education has brainwashed us to believe that the product of education includes a sage on stage that includes uh, information that only they could grant to us and that the product of education is so important um, that only they can provide it. Like that was something that I had to rewire my, my belief system. It no longer was true. So uh, the thing that helped me in that rewiring process was changing the word education to the word learning, because I Mm. wanted my son to be a lifelong learner like I was. And I wanted my son to actually love learning. And for the first time I discovered I could partner with him on this journey. It was about his self-directed journey and my facilitation or partnership with him. And that changed everything. How, you know, when I'm just playing the devil's advocate here and I'm asking mostly because I'm interested for, for how I do this with my future children, um, Partnership pairing, partnership parenting versus structure, right? Mm -hmm. We know that like children without structure sometimes struggle. And like when I think back to high school and like some of the 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 kids who I'd hang out with who like, you know, we knew we could go to their house and and you know, if they'd be smoking weed with their parents and that sort of thing. And, you know, sometimes we'd end up skinny dipping and like we we knew we'd go there if we were gonna get into if we wanted to get into trouble because we wouldn't get messed with. Like, how do you kind of um 
what's what is the difference between partnership parenting versus like a lack of structure and 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 how do you have some structure in there for for children so they know what to expect so that there's some predictability and consistency while at the same time allowing for this learning experience and for them to be kind of at the helm with you I'm glad you asked this because what you're assuming is partnership parenting is permissive parenting or unparenting in some cases. And that's part of the reason why I don't like to use the term unschooling because it's a lack of doing something. But if you are a facilitator in your child's learning, let's just kind of ex. ex what is it, uh, extract that portion of, of parenting for just a moment, and then I'll, I'll step back and look at the big picture. But if you are a facilitator in your child's learning, you are hands-on learning with them. You are providing materials. You are providing resources. What you're not doing is providing direction. You are creating the, the pathways for them to discover what it is that they want to spend their time doing. Now, traditional schooling allows, doesn't allow for this. It, you know, it dictates what a, a student will learn for the 12 years. And then when they get out of high school, they say, okay, go make a decision. What do you want to do? And for the first time, they're asked to make a decision. What partnership parenting and facilitation does is create a safe space where there is trust and security for children to step out, uh, take risks, um, really explore the things that are important to them and have a safe space to come back and process that, even fail, right? And still feel supported and safe and secure. This is, if you if you know anything about like attachment parenting, this is an extension of that. Mm. Um, so that's how you look at it from a, a learning perspective. It's, it's about letting your child lead. And it's about you stepping back and holding space, right? And it's more involved than saying, okay, child, go off to school. Because mm -hmm. that's a detachment of, of connection. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it takes more time to be mm -hmm. a partner parent mm -hmm. in terms of what you talk about with permissive parenting. Well, you know, if your family culture is, you could do anything you want. All right. So some families will decide that's what their culture is, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intentionally creating a space where everybody's needs are heard and met. And that's not permissive at all. That's highly active parenting, right? And that's that's also creating a space for your children to step into their autonomy and understand that their body is their own, that they're not only their body, but their mind is, is their own too. And they have absolutely every right to say, no, I don't want to do that. Or yes, I do want to approach or explore this thing. Right. And creating a safe space for them to do so. I know I'm talking big concepts. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And we'll, you know, we'll give some structure. And I'm, I, I want to ask you about resources sure. um, 
too, that can, you know, that can help people who are interested in this. Cause, um, uh, a, a colleague, you know, he's started, him and his wife have started like community homeschooling Mm -hmm. and he's, um, very much a, a critical thinker. And like, I'll just give the example that, that he gave because, you know, he is, he's some of the, the books and things that the children were learning in, in their community homeschool, um, he, it, it, they were teaching them things that he knew just were not true. Right. But he didn't want to be the guy like, you know, busting on in his example was like the moon landing and some of the parts of our history that he's like, when I look back, it's just ridiculous. It's like you gave a three-year-old Adderall and you know what I mean? It doesn't even make sense. A lot of this stuff. Uh, but he also didn't want to be making his wife uncomfortable or his kids uncomfortable. So he's sort of just when, when something, uh, is, is being taught that he knows isn't true. He'll say allegedly. And, um, <laughs> The kind of make sure that, you know, he can have a, an adult conversation with his kids. I'm curious, like what courses, coursework, resources um, have you found to be helpful that are a little more accurate or less um, indoctrination heavy than maybe what you and I came up on? Yeah. Okay. So there's there's a couple of responses that I have to your question. The Mm -hmm. first one is you're looking for coursework that you as the parent are assigning the child. And that's not what I'm talking about. Right. Um, There certainly are resources out there that are a little less tainted in terms of Uh, indoctrination and programming. Mm -hmm. And I would say as a parent, it's your job to be able to look at these things and, and work out with your children through a critical lens, whether or not this piece of media or this piece of programming is indeed accurate. And part of that comes from being able to have these deeper conversations with your children about what is truth. Does truth actually exist? Is that something that exists out of the outside of a, a perspective? If it does not exist, if there's no such thing as objective truth, then let's look at things through critical lenses and together as a family creating tools to be able to ask these questions. One of the things that I taught my son early on was how to determine um, logical fallacies. I also Mm. taught him because I came from media, right? I came from advertising. I taught him a lot about media literacy. Um, He learned about narratives. He learned about points of view. And as we started to travel, I told you the, the Nicaragua story. Well, what I didn't tell you is we were listening together to the audio book of, um, uh, what is it? stories from an economic hitman like that took place and I I don't think I said that right I you'll have to you'll have to fact check me for the name of the title of that book but what it did is it gave us yet another perspective because our worldview was that of Californians Americans you know uh, coming from the economic status that we had from the privilege that we had into a country we're the best America yeah, right, America. <laughs> like, so, so we had all this stuff to unpack, and you don't wear glasses, but 
and of course your your um, viewers can't see, but I've got glasses. But anybody who's had a glass, you know, an uh, an eye exam, you know that they put these lenses in this big machine. And if we think of our worldviews as all these different lenses that we're seeing the world through, well, that gives us the ability to develop discernment. That gives us the ability you know, in partnership, like these conversations that I'm having with my 10, 11, 12, 13 year old son are, are those of, you know, grad students because it was relevant to our lives in that moment. So creating a program, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe in, you know, um, like consuming somebody else's program, create one, create one together and develop the ability to discern what is working and what's truth and what's not truth. And those things that are not true, uh, try and understand why they're there. What is the point of view and the narrative saying? And that helps develop discernment. This episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show is brought to you by Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products, CBD standing for cannabidiol. Now, we are real excited about this partnership because Veritas means truth in Latin, and we are big believers in bringing you guys the truth, not just through this podcast, but by making sure that any products that we share or that we bring on as sponsors are products that we personally use, believe in, and endorse ourselves. And that is the case with Veritas Farms and their full line of CBD products. The reason that they're so great, they are full spectrum hemp products, meaning that they have all of the beneficial phytonutrients that you get in a quality CBD product. 99% of the CBD products on the market are CBD isolate, and they're just being resold, meaning they're coming from a few small manufacturers. They've only got one tiny part of all of the important phytonutrients that you need to get the benefits you want from a CBD product, and they're just a bunch of different companies reselling them. Veritas Farms is vertically integrated, meaning they own the farm. They ensure that there are no pesticides being added. It's organic, and then they control the entire process from harvesting to extraction until that product ends up at your door. That's what I love it. It's kind of like farm to table, but for CBD. And the benefits that I've noticed, my sleep is better. I feel like I get a deeper, more restful night's sleep. I'm less stressed. I never have periods of anxiety. I feel calm and focused throughout the day. And it even decreases in inflammation when I have flights or other things where inflammation is an inevitable part of life. You take a little extra CBD and it can be very helpful for stress, anxiety, sleep, and that inflammation. So if you guys want to check it out, we've arranged a 15% discount for you guys. To get that, you can go to theveritasfarms.com forward slash biohacks. I'll spell it out. T-H-E-V-E-R-I-T-A-S-F-A-R-M-S.com forward slash B-I-O-H-A-C-K-S to save 15%. Check out the Veritas Farms CBD. You guys are going to absolutely love it. For our listeners who may not be familiar, maybe you could speak a little bit on logical fallacies and, and <laughs> you know, media literacy and some of these basic foundational things. Because, you know, I, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign and, okay. you know, some of my closest friends are from college and people that I had um, previously considered to be absolutely brilliant 
You know, I, I've I've seen them struggle immensely with logical fallacies, with media discernment, and and it's kind of come to the forefront these past 10, 11 months. Uh, maybe you can speak on that a little bit and some of the core uh, principles that you taught your son. Sure. Well, coming from the United States, and I don't know where your listeners come from, um, one of the things that people in the United States need to recognize is that there are five or six, depending on the on which you know what you're considering, media companies that run everything, and that is from television, news, newspaper, magazines. Um, comic books, mm-hmm. uh, music, like the, the yeah. music that we're hearing are all owned by these top six companies. Mm-hmm. And, and this those, is, this is hundreds of publications and programs and things. It's, it seems thousands. like it's diverse and it couldn't possibly be that concentrated, but it is. And it's not just hundreds, it's thousands, and I would even argue into the millions of titles and properties that Mm -hmm. have to go through the filter of the owner company, right? The Mm -hmm. company that owns each of the smaller properties. Mm -hmm. And let's say that there was a political viewpoint from this company, one of the six companies that own all of the media companies. Do you actually think that they would allow one of their smaller properties that they own, right, to produce content that says something different than their political viewpoint? Mm -hmm. And I do bring politics into this, and I'm politically agnostic. I don't get involved in America. Me too now. I had about, I had about a month and a half where I was, uh, I would say half Q-tard when all this was going on. And then I I realized I kind of changed my tune and then I'm, I'm back to completely checked out of politics. Just it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to look at in terms of what stories are being told and that will help you understand the narrative. I've been out of the United States for 12 years, so I don't have that same sort of involvement. I'm not inundated with it daily Mm -hmm. and I don't really want to get caught up in that, even though it does affect myself, you, your listeners and the world at large, right? But you have a choice. You have a choice whether or not to jump into the water with all the storytelling and the narratives and get heated up because it is a manipulative um, source. Or you can step back and say, "Uh uh-huh, interesting. This story's been told. And if I had to trace every single company owned by this particular, you know, like AT&T is one of them, uh, Disney's another. If you had to, uh, you know, trace the stories or the storyline being told by every single one of their properties, you will find a thread weaving through all of it based on the top level you know, political leaning. And 
to think about it from that perspective is pretty powerful, right? My son really seeks out like indie music and indie video games because he knows that anything else that he consumes has programming and narrative to it. And also, I'm not going to go back to the whole um, idea of education in schools, but please use that lens when you look at school uh, information and, and curriculum as well, because there is a narrative to it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you did ask me about um, uh, logical fallacies. And mm-hmm. I think it's important that anybody familiarizes themselves with logical fallacies. But the biggest one that I see used across media these days is the ad hominem. And that means somebody's arguing a point of view. And instead of really addressing the thing that they're talking about, the person gets attacked. And that is used across all media in the United States, like hands down. So much gaslighting. Oh my God, so much. (laughs) But once you start getting familiar with all of the logical fallacies, there's a straw man, there's uh, there's just so many. Just look it up. You know, just Google it. It's or or duck duck go it, depending on what kind of media company you want to consume. There, yeah. You know, sure, sure. Well, let's let's speak on that a little bit because many of our listeners probably are not familiar with uh, sovereignty. You know, straw mm-hmm. man and, and and that sort of thing. Um, if you could kind of catch us up to speed, myself included a little bit, these are some things that I've been looking into a little bit. And, and a few of my friends have been sending me different videos and, and things they're considering doing. Um, for example, and, and I'll probably misspeak here, but I have heard that there, um, you know, social security numbers and things like that. Like we're, we're almost securitized and, um, a, yeah. a debt instrument ourselves from, from the moment we're born. Maybe you could just speak a little bit on the structure of how things are set up and, 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 you know, what a straw man is and how you start maybe reclaiming some of that sovereignty, or at least what you've done. Well, I don't come at it from a political perspective at all. Um, When I talk about sovereignty, I recognize sovereignty in three main areas. The first one is sovereignty over self. And I look at that from the perspective of mind. Um, There are a lot of researchers, and I could probably send you some names that talk about the legal entity of self, but I really come at it from the perspective of thought and becoming aware of programming, which creates habitual thinking based on fallacies that we've been indoctrinated into. So so the process of self going inward and getting rid of that um, is part of the work that I do. And I do a lot of work with teenagers. And I could talk about that in a little bit, but I do want to get really address kind of the three places of sovereignty. So sovereignty of self is the first. The second is sovereignty within relationships. And what does that mean to be in relationship with another, whether it's a parent, child, or partners? Um, 
what does it mean to understand and respect somebody else's autonomy and sovereignty? And how do you manage that? What kind of structures can you put into place in order to really honor that? And then the third is sovereignty within systems. And that's, I don't have a whole lot of expertise in that area. I do in the first two in terms of self, but the inward. I don't know so much about the legal outward stuff, Mm -hmm. um, but sovereignty within relationships. So those are the two things that I can speak about. And a lot of, of course, understanding logical fallacies and understanding the indoctrination and programming as a part of, of, as an extension of sovereignty is important. So I didn't really answer your question, but I'm just, you know, sharing where it is that no, the it's areas. it's it's good because that's where I've kind of came at it from too is less of a focus on all these external things yeah. and I'm like I just haven't really found it too interesting or intriguing. Um, you know, when I look at from a perspective of of sovereignty and having autonomy over for me, it's like very important what goes in my body. You know, that includes like the the, the media that I'm exposed to. Um, if if I watch TV now, a lot of times it's like like we just started watching this show on Amazon called uh, like Vic. Victorian farm. And it's like these people that have uh, traditional skills, you know, from the 19th century, and they take on the challenge of living like Victorian farmers for one year. And it's just fascinating. It's on Amazon and it's so great. Okay. And, and, you know, but besides that, like if, if my dad wants to watch um, CNBC or the news or whatever, we haven't put on headphones because none of us want any of that even floating through the air. Cause it's just once, once you kind of see how, um, how much indoctrination is present, it's like, it's nauseating. Um, I've, I, you know, I used to listen to Drake and I still like some Drake songs, but I'm like, you know, 2020, I kind of started seeing things a little bit different. And um, and how much of that is is tied to people who are literally satanic, which may sound a bit extreme for, for those listeners who aren't savvy to that. Like I came out to a speech blasting Drake music in 2018. You know what I mean? That's that's where I was at. But now I'm much more intentional with the music that I expose myself to. And I'm not listening to like, you know, there's this new Cardi B song called WAP. And it stands, it stands for wet ass P-U-S-S-Y. <laughs> you can say the word. I might yeah, use, that's, you know, fine. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where music is these days. Yeah. It's like, it's almost comical. And I've started making, I'm making a playlist that I listen to now on Spotify that's like 432 hertz classical music, nice. you know? And, um, and, and not only because we know it's good for the brain, but because like you feel a difference listening to that versus listening to like the hip hop charts, you know, it's yeah. very much like you, you see how many things are, whether intentional or not, I think it's intentional designed to, to pull us into this like low vibration reptilian brain. You know what I mean? Where we're like lustful and you know what? I, I don't know. It's just, I do. I get it. It's it's yeah. low vibe. And I'm like, I want to listen to music that fills me up and makes me feel good and brings me into a higher vibration and does and does the opposite. Um, 
Yeah. So one of the tools that my son and I use for deciding what we're consuming is, is this in alignment with our core values? And everything mm. we do comes back to that. You know, if it's, if it's, um, you know, exploiting, uh, uh, you know, the uh, parts of the female body. And mm. I mean, if there are messages in there and it's okay, then okay. You know, but yeah. at least we have the tools to say it's not really in alignment. I can consume it, but with the awareness that this is not in alignment. Mm. And that gives us a greater balance and awareness totally. to what's going on. I completely agree. Yeah. I think without without the awareness is where these things really get dangerous and they kind of yeah. slip into the subconscious mind and and can have a very negative impact on us because we don't recognize it as soon as you recognize it it's like it almost loses its its power now i think with anything you know repeated enough and uh long enough it's it's going to have an impact but um what yeah. are some of your core values if if you would be willing to share those with me and our listeners Oh, absolutely. Um, service is one of them. I love being in service. Authentic or authenticity is another. Love is another. And community. Those are good. I like it. Keeping it simple, focused on just a few words. Um <laughs> I recommend when I work with families to define their core values, try and keep it to five. You're going to have personal values, but you're also going to co-create uh, core values for family. And mm. that's a powerful process. I like that. Yeah. Let's, let's speak a little bit more on um, supporting adolescents and like how you help some of the families that you work with, what type of people, you know, come to you and what do they come to you for? <laughs> sure, sure. So up until 2020, you know, life was very different. My son and I co-founded a company together um, called Project World School. And we would take groups of teenagers to different parts of the world to have these immersive learning experiences. And taking them outside of their comfort zone and learning to say yes Right? And to create safety and also to collaborate and cooperate in a community where our main goal and everything that we did had to come from a place of consensus, required a lot of interpersonal skills and patience and so much, right? Because if you can imagine, here's like 15 kids, 15 teens, we take them to, you know, Ecuador, the jungles of Ecuador, and we're, we're, you know, for the first time, they're not experiencing hot water and there's mosquitoes the size of sparrows. Like they're, they're outside of their comfort zone. So, you know, we're, we're having this experience together for a month. So much comes up and how do we make a decision moving forward in the spirit of partnership with 15 people? Well, you have to do that with consensus and it's hard, but those things come up and you learn so much from that. So we did that for eight years. We had taken hundreds of teens to different countries around the world to have these experiences. And then 2020 happened. Mm -hmm. So I no longer did that. But 
over that period of time, I developed a whole series of inner journeys that, again, were reflected or inspired by the outer worlds. And so for the last year, I've been working with teens online to help them using tools. Right now, they, teens, adolescents are having such a hard time. This is a time where they're supposed to be stepping into their independence and really discovering who they are and how they fit into the world, right? Mm-hmm. And they should be thinking about launching and setting off in a direction. Um, and all of those plans are thwarted. They are under so much pressure right now and isolated. So by packaging up the tools and all the skills that I learned from the eight years of retreats and living in community with teens, I'm supporting them now online. Um, Yeah, (laughs) I'm teaching them media literacy. I'm teaching them tools of discernment, like all the things that we put into practice now I'm teaching them as a skill and providing tools. And is that, uh, for our listeners that that want to learn more about that, is that partnershipparent.com? No, that's a whole nother project. Oh, <laughs> that is right. transformative mentoring for teens. So okay. I've been running these, these courses for teens. Um, and then in January, I just launched one for tweens. So if they've got tweens or teens, um, please check out what we've been doing or what I've been doing. You can check out the little videos and look at the curriculum. And it's powerful. These teens are coming together and actually feel heard. And they're being able to um, utilize some of these tools as they're moving through these challenges. But while I was doing that, I kept getting asked by parents, what can I do? What can I do? Can you work with me? And I don't particularly like working with parents one-on-one. I prefer working with teens one-on-one. That to me is my passion. That's my purpose. I know that I can connect so beautifully with teens and I make a difference in their lives. Um, So I got together with another partnership parenting mother that I met um, in Spain, actually. And she's an Australian uh, unschooling mom. And we created a program together for parents. Mm. So she's working one-on-one with the parents. And her and I are collaborating, creating uh, different courses for parents to help create and define family cultures that serve their um, teens or even children, younger children, you know, by creating a strong and healthy family culture. So that's what I'm doing at partnershipparent.com. Oh, that's fantastic. Lots of stuff. (laughs) So um, I want to be respectful of your time. And I know we're, we're kind of coming up on an hour here, but um, for, for a parent who's listening right now and um, let's say kind of sees with both eyes and is, Mm -hmm. is a little bit concerned about the direction that public education is going you know, and they're, they're interested in self-directed learning and unschooling and, you know, maybe choosing a, a different trajectory for their child. What advice or recommendations do you have for them? Where do they well, start? 
Well, if you make a decision like that, make a decision as a family, first of all, and really unpack the reasons why you're moving away from one thing and towards another and make sure that you can, through dialogue with every member of your family, uh, come to a place that is in alignment together. Because if one person is forcing the rest of the family to do it, that's not partnership, right? Mm -hmm. So creating the conversation first, um, unpacking what is important for each family member in terms of education. And then you can actually dissect that and put that you know, in the realm of health or in the realm of anything else that is a part of your family culture, right? Mm -hmm. But first understanding what everybody's priorities are about education, even define education. What does education mean to you? Mm -hmm. If it only means going to school, then start creating a culture where you can question things together. Does it really just mean school? And if it means school, why is school the only um, conventional answer? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of parents right now are recognizing that the public school system or conventional schooling is not working for them. Mm -hmm. They can see it because it's now been put into their homes and many parents are forced to do what's called distance learning. That's not homeschooling. You're still following the the, uh, curriculum, you know, dictated by the school. And if you take a close look at what this curriculum is, most of the time it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And all of the time it doesn't serve the individual. It serves the, the idea of whoever created that curriculum they think it's important that you learn this. Mm -hmm. Are there better ways of doing this? And if this is not working for your family, start having conversations as a family as to what it is that you desire. Mm -hmm. And if you can get on board and find a direction together, I think unschooling or self-directed learning is a great option, but maybe some families will come to the conclusion that they want to do very deep dive, um, you know, uh, learning into mathematics because that's what's lighting up your child and your child really wants to become a scientist. And mm-hmm. then you find a tutor, you find a class that that really is in alignment with that child's needs. I'm mm-hmm. not against taking classes. I am against somebody dictating to the individual, the child to take the class. The child says, I want to take that class take that class. Yeah. Yeah. And, and last, you know, I'm, I, I have to ask because it comes up in my mind and I'm thinking about the future. Um, what laws exist in terms of like, let's say I have um, a son, right. And he loves learning about the outdoors and we go on hikes and we identify different edible plants and you know how to do things like that. Right. Am I at risk of someone coming, knocking on my door and going, you're not following the state mandated curriculum. We're taking your son away from you. Some places, yes. Some places, no. Each for your listeners that are listening from the United States, each state has the ability to create the uh, laws 
around education for that state. Some states are really open. Others require testing and check-ins and you have to jump through certain hoops. Um, but do check with the state itself. For those outside of the United States, some countries are welcoming of home educators, but many are not. Um, get really clear as to which law you fall under. Um, I'm not advocating that you break the law. I, that's, I'm going to just caveat what I'm going to say next with that. Um, but I will say that there are ways of not being in jurisdiction of any of those laws. And I have, you know, me for and. For example, um, I've been stateless for the last 12 years, so I haven't had to report to, you know, my state educational board because I don't live in that state, but I don't fall under any particular state or country ordinance because I don't live in any state or country permanently. And although many people may find that very uncomfortable, um, it works for us. Mm -hmm. Although my son is 21 now. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's become a man of his own. Well, yeah. uh, Lainey, Lainey Liberty, this has been a lot of fun and a great conversation. I appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. For our listeners who want to explore more of the things that you are working on, where's the best place for them to start and share, share where you're at in the uh, online world? Sure. Um, probably the best way to get to all of my resources is through worldschoolingcoach.com. World Schooling Coach has links to Project World School, Transformative Mentoring for Teens, the Partnership Parenting Movement, and all of the online communities. And it also provides a great way for you to stay in touch with this movement. So, um, yeah, that's the best place. Fantastic. Fantastic. So world, worldschoolingcoach.com. Uh, last question to kind of bring it home. I know you're a very insightful woman and there's a lot of things that have been happening in the world. Where do you kind of see everything going these next few years? <laughs> wow. Well, there's, I really see the, the, events of the world right now being very divisive. And I really see many people that are aligning with statism, you know, rolling up their sleeve and saying, give me a, a vaccination and let's, mm -hmm. let's, you know, do whatever authority tells us. And you deserve to be censored. What you're saying is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, there are many people that really believe that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't blame those people. I don't blame them at all. They've been indoctrinated like we all have. And if they've never been exposed to tools to, you know, learn discernment or have never been empowered to question everything, I get it. I get it. They're doing exactly like they were programmed to do. And it's no fault of their own. So be kind and gentle to those people. Um, although those are the people that are screaming towards those, those of us who are not following those sorts of lines of thinking. Like mm -hmm. they're screaming louder 
at us Mm -hmm. and understand that that comes from that cognitive dissonance that, you know, is really alive for them. And they just don't know how to put their finger on what's going on. Mm -hmm. So what do I see? I see those seeking sovereign experiences, finding ways of creating community, right? Mm -hmm. And I see those that are still really heavily indoctrinated, um, really becoming uh, the ownership of the state. And Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. a sad state of affairs. Um, I would say free your mind. That to me is the best choice. (laughs) Beautiful. Well, uh, Lainey Liberty, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I appreciate your time. You've been very generous and, uh, Yeah, thank you. Thank you. you. It was so great meeting you. I'm really, really honored that you asked me to speak. What's up, guys? Anthony here, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Biohacking Secrets Show. One of my favorite things to do is helping men and women like you feel what it's like with the body you've always wanted and all-day energy that starts the moment you wake up and doesn't quit. Over the past decade, we've created a proprietary health assessment that helps me to identify the unique toxicities and deficiencies that may be holding you back from the life that you deserve. And what we've discovered in doing this with now thousands of CEOs, executives, professional athletes, businessmen, Hollywood celebrities, and entrepreneurs is that there's always room for improvement and optimization. Whether you're already performing at a high level or you have that feeling inside your heart that you're capable of more, the single fastest way to unlock your potential is to upgrade your mind and your body. And there's no program on earth that does that faster or to a greater magnitude than our one-on-one consulting program at www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. We start with our proprietary health assessment that screens you for vitamin deficiencies like A, D, magnesium, iron, etc., high cholesterol and heart disease, high blood pressure, digestive disorders, hidden infections like Lyme, Epstein-Barr, parasites, SIBO, Candida, and more that can just drain your energy in the background, especially if you don't know about them. Anxiety, depression, and cognitive disorders, autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid issues, mold toxicity, heavy metals, environmental toxins, and other genetic risk factors like MTHFR, APOE status, your glutathione production, and many more. We even recommend the specific tests that I use with my one-on-one clients if they're relevant for you in figuring out your biological age and identifying those key areas and opportunities that can take your life to the next level. From there, we create a customized game plan along with a personalized supplement protocol to help you optimize your weight and energy at the cellular level. And for our platinum clients, we even include a personalized workshop with me in Delray Beach, Florida. Most of the year, this program's full with a waiting list, but we just had a couple spots open up and I wanted to offer them to the listeners of the Biohacking Secrets show first. So if you're interested in seeing what it might look like for us to work together, head over to www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash coaching. That's www.biohackingsecrets.com forward slash C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G and fill out the short application form. If you're pre-approved, you'll be given the opportunity to book a time to connect with someone on our team and see if it's a fit. Thank you so much for being a part of this community, and I look forward to potentially going on this journey together. 